Hey, this commercial break has been brought to you today by Native Girls Pearls. Native Girls Pearls. A U.S. Army veteran and just a mom who always wanted to instill the value and appreciation of hard work and multiple streams of income into her children. Pearl Girls Parties are an interactive experience where they get to interact with their customers and host Facebook Live parties and reveal people's orders online. At Native Girls Pearls, they have a blast with the games, the prizes and the special guest appearances, the giveaways and the plain fun of it all. It's just like hanging out with their awesome friends and making money while doing so. If you've ever been interested in Pearl Girls Parties or ever been interested in a Pearl Party, go on ahead to Native Girls Pearls. Visit them at their Facebook page, Native Girls Pearls. That's nativegirlspearls.com. That's right, my friends, you are back again. Welcome back to another episode of On The Mic With Mike. I am your podcast host, Instructor Mike. From controversial issues that affect us in the criminal justice system to controversial issues that affect us across the nation, both locally and otherwise. I am that controversial person that's going to go there and talk about those issues. You're always going to learn something when you're listening to this podcast, so grab your pens and your paper. You can go on ahead and follow me on Facebook at Mike Brown or on Instructor Mike. You can also go to my YouTube page instructor mike as well and you can subscribe to this podcast we would greatly appreciate it here is another issue that we are going to talk about on on the mic with mike all right so we're in the middle of uh, talking about a few things, at least like a debate show, talk about all kinds of topics. Sure. What's going on, Velda? You know, I'm going to make this a talk show, uh, this particular podcast episode, and we are going to talk about uh, a variety of given topics. Of course, I'm going to continue uh, in talking about what I was talking about earlier this morning. Okay. Uh, and for my podcast listeners for On The Mic With Mike, I'm also on Facebook Live, so you can follow me at Mike Brown or Instructor Mike. You can also uh, go to my podcast, On The Mic With Mike, that's on the M-I-C with Mike, uh, and you can subscribe to that podcast. It'll be on Google Podcasts, whatever the case may be. I'll give you a call. I haven't forgotten about you. I'll give you a call. So some of you podcast listeners, you're going to hear me respond to certain people's comments and things like that. Uh, so that, that's just the nature of trying to do both Facebook live and, uh, doing a podcast at the same time. But we are going to talk about again, uh, the issue surrounding Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox. And I think that, um, I'm going to look at your comments too, but I'm going to also stay on track too. We're going to talk about the issue surrounding Cook County State's attorney, Kim Fox. You know, she's, uh, undergoing a lot of, uh, media attention, a lot of scrutiny because of her uh, recusal from the Jesse Smollett uh, case, you know, and there's a lot of um, 
division, if you will, in law enforcement and in just the populace in general. And so we're going to talk about uh, what it would take to save her. Is she actually done from uh, her office uh, as the Cook County State's Attorney? Okay. Uh, also, you know, why there were no black uh, chiefs of police who stood side by side with the other white uh, chief of police uh, for the Fraternal Order of Police uh, press conference that was uh, talking about a vote of no confidence against State's Attorney Kim Fox. This thing in the criminological uh, criminological theory called double marginality. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, on this episode, we're also going to talk about convictions and supervision. Now, uh, prior to me going live with you all on Facebook and prior to uh, me doing this podcast, I was talking to a person who uh, messaged me in my inbox regarding a particular situation uh, regarding convictions and supervision and whether or not this person was going to ever be able to obtain an FOID card. So we're going to talk about that as well. Um, we're also going to talk about the legalization of marijuana and we're going to talk about gun rights. You know, in Illinois, I don't know if those of you all who've been following politics, if you will, uh, have been looking at uh, Illinois' politics in terms of the legalization of marijuana and what's being addressed, what's not being addressed. You know, people are happy about marijuana being legalized and so what if anything does that do for your gun rights and then I'll give you a theory as to why I think that you know I understand that we in Illinois being a cash strapped state there's a there's a lot of different reasons why we are cash strapped but you know why the legalization of marijuana specifically for the black community I think would not necessarily be a great idea as it relates to firearms rights and we'll talk about that as well um, and then, uh, that's that. So what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna give you all the number, uh, 773-571-5602, 773-571-5602. Those of you all who are watching uh, on Facebook, please feel free to share this podcast, tag somebody in it, you know, wants to talk about this conversation. Uh, that's the thing. We don't have a lot of conversations regarding this topic. So if you want to call in and speak with me regarding this topic, uh, of Kim Fox, Cook County State's Attorney Kim Fox, and um, your theories, just your your beliefs about what this situation is about, you know, uh, the FO, uh, FOP, you know, and your beliefs about the Fraternal Order of Police, give us a call, 773-571-5602, 773-571, yeah, I saw that, Stephen, 773-571-5602, that's again, 773, yes, yeah, somebody call, somebody uh, type the number, so that way I can pin it, to the um uh to the Facebook post 7735715602 um standing by ready to take your call and let's have a discussion you know a lot of people like to type things so here's a chance for you to be able to talk to me about my beliefs and I am willing to uh what's going on attorney uh Ernest B Fenton uh, from the law offices of attorney, uh, attorney Ernest B Fenton uh shameless plug I give you a shout out even on my podcast um, if you can give me some information, attorney Fenton, uh, more specifically, I'll definitely give you a free plug on my, uh, post. What's going on, Katie Troy? I'm glad you, uh, are tuning in. What's going on, Tracy? Same thing for you. So we're going to go on ahead and talk about it. Look, as it relates to Kim Fox, you know, the question has become, what would it take to save her? Now, for those of you all who may be ignorant to why I would even ask a question, let's talk about the. Uh, case at hand. So uh, actor, Empire actor Jesse Smullett 
was previously indicted on 16 counts of disorderly conduct for filing a false police report after he claimed to have been attacked by two men in the Streeterville neighborhood in the early morning hours of January 29th of 2019. Uh, he stated that uh, two masked men that were light skinned. He could identify them as white, you know, uh, uh, tied a noose around his neck, poured bleach on him and stated this is MAGA country and beat it, beat him or assaulted him. And, you know, a, a whole list of celebrities, you know, just poured out their, their love and support for Jesse Smollett and whether or not they believed to, this to be a real case. And he was treated as a victim as at first, but, as the Chicago police began to, uh, they, they got very methodical behind their investigation. They later determined that Jesse Smollett was uh, faking the crime. And then they subsequently charged him at first with only one count of disorderly conduct, at which point in time, Kimberly Fox, the current state's attorney of Cook County, recused herself or so she stated she recused herself uh, in this given case. And, uh, you know, then uh, Joe McGetts, her first deputy uh, assistant state's attorney, then took over the case, at which point in time, after his uh, indictment with the grand jury for the felony count, class four felony, which is the lowest class of felony in Illinois, class four felony count of disorderly conduct, um, the state's attorney then went back to the grand jury for 15 more counts of disorderly conduct for a total of 16 counts in total of disorderly conduct and so the question then becomes uh, why is she going under all this pressure you know why is why, why are so many people attacking her why yeah why are so many people attacking her why did the fraternal of police come out and say they have a vote of no confidence against kimberly fox you know well subsequent to that we get this news flash this this breaking news event that uh the the 16 charges the 16 counts of disorderly conduct was all of a sudden just dismissed just like that and we, we hear that um he was made to forfeit his ten thousand dollar bond and he did a couple of days of community service 16 hours or i don't know something to that effect at the rainbow push coalition you know and then all of a sudden his, his charges are dismissed and his record is subsequently sealed to where the public can't get a hold of any of the uh, documents in that given uh, case in this uh, subsequent disposition. And so there are a lot of questions, especially from those of us in the community, uh, not in the community, but those of us in the criminal justice system who understands how the system works, understand how the system is supposed to run, how it does run. And I do agree with uh, commenter Roxanne Johnson when she states it's messy. It is very messy. And it begs a lot of questions that need to come out of the state's attorney's office. And so amidst all of these attacks against Kimberly Fox, amidst all of this stuff, you know, with the Fraternal Order of Police and the West Suburban Chiefs of Police Association, the South Suburban Chiefs of Police Association, the I don't know if there was another Chiefs of Police Association, but the Fraternal Order of Police Lodge 7, which is the lodge that represents the Chicago police rank and file, not necessarily the command staff, if you will, but the, the officer at the patrolman and arguably the, I think the patrolman and the detective level. Once you become a sergeant, it's a different union. Once you become a lieutenant, it's a different union. And anything higher than a lieutenant, you don't really have any representation. You're just at the will and pleasure of the superintendent who appoints you to whatever command or whatever assignment he or she wants to uh, appoint you to that. 
Uh, that's what some people don't understand about the Fraternal Order of Police is that the FOP doesn't represent the entire police department. They really represent the patrolmen and the detectives. Somebody who's a Chicago police officer, if I'm wrong, please correct me. I will stand corrected if you uh, do so. But uh, I was a member of the Fraternal Order of Police, uh, two lodges, in fact. And so from my recollection, with regard to my experience, that's the case. That having been said, give us a call 773-571-5602. Now, that's a bunch of folks that want to talk about stuff. Uh, yeah, you don't have to give your name, whatever the case may be, but it would be interesting if you did call in 773-571-5602. You know, um, what is it that you feel should be uh, done to save Kim Fox's job? Uh, why do we even think her job is in jeopardy? You know, um, I th I think that uh, it's a it's a heck of an uphill battle that she is going to have to climb. Why do I think it's an uphill battle that she is going to have to climb? Well, uh, you said point out what she did wrong or what she should have done differently. Okay, that's that's very fair. You want to say point out what she did wrong? I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to go over to the Illinois, here we go, the Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association letter, and I think that is going to more specifically spell out uh, what, if anything, she did wrong, and then we're going to talk about that. Rachel, I see you. Oh, somebody called in. Here we go. I thought I muted the phone. Let's go. Hey, what's going on? You're on the mic with Mike. Let's talk about it. Hello? Hello. How are you? I'm well. Okay, let's talk about it. Um, I mean, I just think that upon the people calling her to even discuss the case with her, okay, they shouldn't. She she shouldn't have had that conversation with them. She should have told them it wasn't professional, and it just it, she shouldn't have talked. She should have spoke with him about it. I think that part is messy you know um i don't know what she's gonna do i really don't i don't know what the city's gonna do i don't know anything at this point it's, it's just it's, it's all extremely ridiculous yeah yeah i i do i do happen to agree I do happen to agree uh, greatly with that. I think that she should never have had that discussion. And I'm actually kind of, I don't, I don't want to say disturbed more or less than appalled because typically your more seasoned prosecutors uh, or even more seasoned attorneys, especially in the criminal justice system, know that a victim can turn to a suspect real quick, you know? And I think that lines should have been drawn, especially given that you are not just a prosecutor or an attorney, you're also a politician too. You don't know which way this case is going to go. And because of that, you don't know which, case, which way this case is going to go. If you, in fact, recuse yourself, right? Um, and, and she really didn't recuse herself until after uh, she had this conversation. Uh, but... You know, if you had intentions on recusing yourself or there were some things you did not know or there's some things you weren't made aware of, which you probably weren't, you know, she should have just, well, an investigation is underway and I'll get back to you as soon as I get greater detail. Who doesn't know how to stall someone? What's your thoughts on that? I, I feel like you're, you're right with what you're saying, but I feel like if 
you recused yourself. You shouldn't speak on it anymore. You gave it, <clears throat> pardon me, you gave it to someone else. You put someone else in charge of it. That's where it should have um, stayed. You shouldn't have commented on anything. Now, as far as just the whole scope, the, the, the big picture of it, what bothers me is the fact that I feel like he used privilege that wouldn't be afforded to a lot of young brothers or sisters. You know, who, who would speak up for the, for the regular person to, to help them get off of something like that? Very, very few. You know, if you're going to treat one one way, treat everybody the same way. If you have more than one child, you, you, don't, you don't love one more than you love the other. You know, if you, if you drop the ball, you drop the ball. And, and that, that's what happened. I think he used, I think his privilege came out. I didn't like the smugness. And if you call, just say, I, okay, I did it, I lied, or whatever. Just don't keep continuously lying to people in Chicago saying it didn't happen. We are not stupid. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're not stupid. I agree. You know, that's my thing. Damn, just say sorry. I wouldn't even have a problem if you just say sorry. Absolutely. Because all of the evidence is right there in front of you. I'm it's as plain as the nose on everyone's face. You know, I'm still waiting to see the bleach shirt. That that <laughs> You had bleach poured on you. And... I don't, Mike, we don't need to see no damn shirt. <laughs> we don't need to see no shirt. We're not stupid. Right, right, right. We're not stupid. All like, right. let's just call it spade to spade. Mm-hmm. We know people knew from the onset. People, me and you had, well, you and I had this conversation. Yeah, we did. I was like, that shit didn't happen, bro. I know who you talk. I know who I'm talking to. <laughs> You're absolutely It didn't. Right. That didn't happen. I agree. It was freezing. I agree. Anytime the city has to enlist buses to get homeless people off the street, our, our city shut down, kids weren't going to school, people weren't going to work, and you decide you want to go get a Subway sandwich. Come on, man. That's Streeterville. Absolutely. Somebody would have delivered to you even at those times of the morning. So cut it. And all Just say sorry. And all of those cameras, all of those cameras, and those cameras didn't manage to catch any beating, and they didn't manage to catch anyone other than those figures, and those figures somehow through the investigation led the Chicago Police Area Central Detectives to the uh, the Osandra, I forgot the last name. The the the, uh, the Nigerian the, brothers. They they followed the cameras. They followed the license plate number. Absolutely. They found got the license plate number and found out it was a Lyft or Uber car, and was able to find out exactly where they picked these two individuals up from. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We this Chicago. Absolutely. I've been here for a long time. I'm almost fifty years old. I've seen a lot of shit. But the one thing I can say about people here, we're very resilient. Yes. And we ain't nobody's fools. We welcomed you to our city. This Absolutely. isn't your city. Don't get it twisted because you're filming here. You know, this is where we live. This is where we have to work and raise our families and shop and try to have a good life. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Just apologize. That's, That's my whole thing. I Just agree. say sorry. You'll be surprised at how far, how far... I'm sorry, go. Mm-hmm. And see, the thing is, just, I don't... Just say I'm sorry. I, at this point, the thing with Kim Fox and all them, mm-hmm. whatever's going to happen is going to happen. 
I'm looking at what he did. Yeah, because that was the start of this whole mess. And I think that, you know, people are not taking into consideration, and not even people. Let's let's just be honest. Let's just have an honest conversation. Black folks, modern day black folks are not taking into consideration the implications of what could have happened because of this lie. I, you know what? I, I think they do, Mike. Okay. And, you know, you can't just say, you know, I don't think it has shit to do with no modern day black folks. Okay, okay. Well, you know, t- tell people, me why not, then. <laughs> some people just won't admit that, shit, I'm wrong. Well, let me, let me, let me tell you this, though. Let's, let's, let's debate that point. Because if you look at it, if it were not the case that it would have not have produced the kind of uh, media attention that it got at the beginning or in the wake of the reporting well, the of this. That, you, you think know, about the, it. The yes. And the the news. wearing mega hats. Yes. Yeah, of course. Because look at the climate. Okay. And yes, someone could have got hurt. Absolutely. And so it could have th- been my son. Yes. You have yes. a son. It could have been your son. It yes. could have been one of your listeners' sons mm-hmm. who got hurt. Absolutely. Off, some, just off of someone's lie. Absolutely. And so that is what I'm talking about right there. Some people will sit there and say, look, he lied and in his lie, he was talking about him being beat up when in reality, he either A, kicked his own ass or got his own ass by kicked by people who he hired to kick his own ass. But that is not just the only point. That's the result of what really happened, but it's the implication behind that. And in Chicago, let's really be real, not just in Chicago, but in the United States. First of all, anybody that says that we are not a country that has racism is full of it. We have racism and our racism is in our face. And sometimes people play the race card, right? When it's not appropriate, but our racism is fresh. It's in our face. But the one thing you are not going to do is fake a hate crime. You're not going to fake racism. And so to charge Trump supporters with the making America great again, to make the LGBT community feel that they are about to come under some kind of attack because of their choice of sexuality, to make black people think that they're just white folks, just indiscriminately finding black folks at 2 a.m. at all restaurants instead of Subway. Why not McDonald's? Right. But you're going to go to specifically to Subway. I'm just saying, well, you get a two for two. Okay. You can't get that at Subway. Right. right. So why are there just white folks in the most heavily, I don't want to say televised, but the most heavily surveilled area that is close to the north side that is more tolerant of the LGBT community and that lifestyle, if we can make that argument, it being close to Boys Town and whatnot. What, if anything, would make him think that one, this was going to work because at first it did, but then it backfired. And why should we not be upset? And who is Kimberly Fox? I know I'm asking a lot of compound questions. No, nah, that's cool. But, I'm, I'm good, bro. Right. But who is Kimberly Fox to deny the people of Cook County and of the United States, if anything, that apology that we should get? Okay. And, all right. I, I, I got everything you said. It's in my mental roll of that. Number one, <laughs> I don't care who has sex with who. I don't care about people's sexual preference, color. My thing is with him. I, I, I more so have beef with him. My beef is you made, you played, not made, you played on the sympathies of the LGBT. I hope I'm saying it right, LGBTQ right. community. Right. 
You played on the sympathies of black people. Yes. You played on the sympathies of the police department. And then when it all came out in the wash, you still didn't say sorry. Yes. Okay, yes. I'm caught. I'm, I'm going to pay my restitution. I'm going to do whatever I need to do. You know, that's my thing. Be a stand, be, be a stand up fucking individual. Excuse my language. Say sorry. You're fine. You're fine. Go ahead. Just be, just say sorry. Yeah. And Kim Fox has to figure out a way to atone for her shit. But he kicked it off. He did. He did. Say sorry. He did. You just pack up and go leave and go to California and try to go live your best life. No, everyone knows that you finally kicked it with a whole city. Then you finally kicked it with the nation. And then Donald Trump has to chime in and say something about it. You know, you done did something when the president has to say something about an incident that happened. Okay. All right. People could have got hurt. I want him to say sorry. I instead won't. of acting like, oh, no, it really happened. I, I really didn't lie. I really didn't do this. No, you really did. All right. And you really need to stop playing with Chicago. I agree. We, we, have, our own, we have our own issues here. Let me take Kids this. Kids getting killed and everything else. Don't, don't compound the shit. I agree. With, with where... I agree. Let I don't me, like people saying, oh, girl, I can't visit I got her in fired. Chicago. It's horrible. She is fired. She is fired. I love it. And then get the fuck out of Chicago. I love it. Let me take this other call, and I'm going to call you right back. I love it. We're going to continue this. Hang tight. Don't go nowhere. I know you're watching. I'm not going nowhere. I'm watching TV <laughs> and having me a glass of wine. Shit, that done made me. I love it. Got my nose running. Made me don't, mad. Don't let it get your nose running. We'll be right back in one quick. All right. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Thank you for calling in with On the Mic with Mike. You are on the mic with Mike. Let's talk about it. Talk to me. The Honorable Mike Brown. I don't know what that means. How are you today? <laughs> I, don't know what, I don't know what honorable means, but let's go. <laughs> so talk well, to you me. You know I like to call you. I like to call you with controversial topics. Man. It will be a little bit. Man. Let's go. Um. I have a lot of people that are afraid to call in for whatever reasons. Okay. But I want to play the devil's advocate today. Okay. Now, you have been an officer for a while. Okay. As myself. How many times have you gotten a call stating that my boyfriend has a gun? And uh, you arrive to the scene. Oh, yeah. There's no gun. He just wouldn't get out of her car. Or he wouldn't return a cell phone, house keys. Baby diaper or whatever. Okay. How many calls have you got? He sells drugs. Got it. Get to the scene. He has nothing. Upstanding guy. Argument between baby mama or a friend on the friend. Okay. What will be the difference between that falsification of a report and what Jesse said? If you take away who he is. Okay. Take away the fame. Take away the LGBT. Take away that he's on TV, scenes, and all that. He's a human being. Facts. Everyday Joe, Joe Smoke. Facts. If he would have made that same report, would it have been such the same impact as he did now? I love what you just said. You brought up an interesting point. To answer your question, no. He would have more likely than not, not been charged. And I happen to agree with you. And that's the problem in our criminal justice system, too, is that liars do not get prosecuted. And so for me, 
as a person who was wrongfully arrested, not once but twice, by police departments. Nothing in connection with me and my duties or anything like that, just personal stuff, right? It was fun for me. I'm going to just be honest. It was fun for me to see a liar prosecuted finally in the criminal justice system because you don't see that. I would like to see people who submit false reports to police agencies, right? Okay. I would like to see people who submit false reports to police agencies finally become prosecuted for lying, but we just don't have that happen. Okay. Now that having been said, there are some viewers who are making some very, very interesting points the, the calls that we respond to that you just mentioned, right? They don't get heavily televised like the Jesse Smollett situation. They don't get heavily televised. They, in those calls, let's just say the boyfriend that you're talking about that's got the cell phone. Now, what if you said the boyfriend's got the cell phone and he smacked me across the face and he said, MAGA country. You see what I'm saying? It's just the implications of the extra symbolism that was included in the lie that brought in certain audiences, brought in certain attention. He knew that he was not an average Joe. He knew that if he you know, talked about certain things or made certain implications because of his association with that LGBT community, that is a very, very powerful community. And so because it's a very, very powerful community, he knew that his statement because of his association to that community was going to be given more validity because of what happens when you think the opposite. Wait a minute. He's from that community. Don't talk negative about that community because you could lose your job. So we have to just give support just like that. He knew that. Go ahead. OK, one more, one more question. Go ahead. Now, back when Rodney King was beaten okay. on film. OK. Uh, way, way, uh, a, a while ago, a lot of people may not know it, a lot of people may know it. Back then, those officers, every last one of them, were exonerated, pretty much. Acquitted. They was handed a medal, acquitted. Yep. Yeah, there you go, acquitted. They was handed a medal, and they was told, go on about your beautiful day. We seen it on film as viewers. They tore up, uh, was the L.A.? South Central mm -hmm. or somewhere. Mm -hmm. They burned down everything. Mm -hmm. And they told us then what we seen didn't pretty much happen. Okay. Don't believe believe our words over your eyes. Okay. Now that brings me to the point, Laquan McDonald. Okay. We've all sat back and we watched the tape. Yep. If you didn't want to see it, or if you did want to see it, it was on everywhere. We watched it. Those officers also were acquitted. And they told us what you see did not happen. Their report stated one thing when it was read out in court. And what we saw on TV showed another thing. And they want us to trust their words over our eyes. When you was in the academy, mm -hmm. do you recall a certain part that was taught stating that if you falsify official police documents or reports correct do you recall what the consequences were yeah you're charged with official misconduct i mean perjury we could talk about a whole bunch of stuff that you could be charged with for falsifying that go ahead okay so we've learned that in the academy facts that's before you get pinned that's before you get saluted everything else mm -hmm. but those officers were acquitted 
publication of their official documents or their official reports. Okay. So now my question again is, okay. what will be the difference between those three and Jesse Smollett? Okay. So in those three particular situations, you're talking about Rodney King, the beating, and then the officers being acquitted. You're talking about Laquan McDonald and the officers. I'm assuming you're talking about the three. You and I both know Jason Van Dyke was not acquitted. He was convicted of that charge. Okay, so you're talking about the other three officers. And then you're talking about the Jesse Smollett situation. So in order for you to make the connection regarding those two and the Jesse Smollett situation, you would have to imply that the detectives in the Jesse Smollett case falsified documents. So, are, is that what you're alluding to? No, no, what I'm saying is Jesse Smollett made a false, he made a false report. Okay. He falsified the document. Okay. The officers falsified the document. Okay, I get where you're going now. The difference is, the difference is we saw it on TV okay. that those officers falsified those documents. Correct. Until they've done the work, until they was dispatched out to, mm-hmm. to be for this to be a high just priority case, mm-hmm. high profile case, mm-hmm. what we, we we didn't see anything. Okay. But we actually saw that those documents were falsified by those officers. Okay. So why is it that uh 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 we're not in uproar about the fact that hey, they did the same thing, they got acquitted. So now Jesse's getting acquitted, and now we're still in the uproar. Well, I think where I'm going with this. Okay, I'll, I'll go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Keep going. I want you to finish your final, finish your thought. I, I, I think where I'm going with this is, I think we're living in a community in a time where we pick and choose what's right for you if it's right for you. Okay. And what I mean by that is, <coughs> we live for the now moment. We okay. see things, we react to things, and then we sweep it under the rug. Okay. But certain other things we tend to stand on and attack a little bit more heavy. To me, right is right, wrong is wrong. Okay. Same thing with you. I've, I've worked with you many days, talked to you many days. Right is right, wrong is wrong. Facts. Don't care what realm, what, what classification, what your sexuality, Christianity, your, your religion, your, I don't care if you married to a tree. Right is right, wrong is wrong. A lie is a lie, regardless okay. of how you look at it. Okay. And I just feel like we wasted too much time for the wrong reason. Okay. Someone was was killed behind it. If, if what happened if we didn't have that tape mm-hmm. of those officers in the Laquan McDonald case? That's true. What happened if they did it? You know what I'm saying? So now we go if we go by what their report said, we're on a whole other level, a whole other playing field than what we're on now. Okay. All but right. he falsified that he got jumped. Let's be real. I'm, I'm pretty sure if, if if anybody in Chicago has been up north, past Belmont. Someone from the LGBT community get jumped on every day. I don't know if it's every day. You know, let's let's take a moment. I'm gonna take a commercial break and then I'm gonna come right back. Here we go. You're listening to On the Mic with Mike. Mm-hmm. Go. Yep, I had to do that. I had to break through. So here we go. We're back to On the Mic with Mike, and I'm gonna continue and I'm gonna go on ahead and answer your question. Now, I think that you are absolutely right. There is selective outrage. That is the one thing I can agree with the counter-protesters. I don't know if you've watched that FOP protest and then the counter-protest and things like that. There is selective outrage. But I think it's totally unfair 
for us to just state that the fraternal order of police has selective outrage regarding which cases piss them off in essence and not talk about the selective outrage that occurs within our communities as well. We pick and choose within our communities which issues we're going to be upset about. Let a police officer and, and the police officer just has to be white. If the police officer is black, we're not going to say anything. Let's really, well, we'll say less, right? But if the police officer is white, like Van Dyke was, and he killed someone that was black, then there's an outrage, but we say very little about the overwhelming numbers that plague our community in the deaths that occur in our community. So I think selective outrage can be argued on both sides. And I think there's a living within the now moment. But I want to give you this. The difference between the Rodney King cases, the uh, Laquan McDonald case, which you eloquently talked about, and I agree with you, and this case is this. The number 16. The number 16. What is significant about that number 16, that the Laquan McDonald case and the Jesse Smollett case has the number 16 in common? 16 shots and a cover-up, 16 counts and a cover-up. Do you understand where I'm going? I understand where you're going. Chicago politics. Okay, absolutely. So here we go. Chicago politics. I also want you to look at the fact that, one, Kim, this, first of all, let, let's build the timeline up to why we even have this conversation in the first place, okay? We talk about Rodney King. We know that the police have a both a positive and a negative uh, uh, influence, if you will, or a, a outlook. How do I say this properly? I don't want to say outlook, but a positive relationship. We'll say relationship more so. A positive and a negative relationship, and depending upon who you talk to, more so negative or more so positive, okay? That's a subjective opinion in the black community, okay? That having been said, right, when you look at the Laquan McDonald situation, right, I am of the opinion, you and I have had this conversation before, I am of the opinion that Jason Van Dyke was number one, along with the other Chicago police officers, ill-equipped to handle uh, uh, Laquan McDonald at that time. They did not have all the tools that are available to law enforcement to be able to handle a Laquan McDonald. That's why the, the, the first responding officers, they got their tires slashed and things like that, but the rest of them were just following him as he was walking into the street. Had they been properly equipped with other tools that could have likely stopped Laquan, Jason Van Dyke was one of the last officers with his partner to respond to the scene. Laquan would have already been likely taken into custody more so hurt because of the tactic that i would suggest should have been used a beanbag shotgun it would have more likely than yeah. not worked but they did not have that let's be honest the chicago police has a major 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 issue with giving its officers the proper tools needed to be able to do the job giving the varying instances or the incidences and the people that they run into so that's the first failure right there secondly jason van dyke in my opinion did not have to use deadly force okay now i'm not going to argue the 16 shots because as a firearms instructor i understand the dynamics and the physiology and the psychology of 
using a firearm under stress. And sometimes people think 16 shots is excessive given the situation. You don't stop shooting until the threat is down. That having been said, you and I both saw the video and he was continuously shot as he was down. That was wrong. And Jason Van Dyke's testimony on the stand was absolutely horrible. Horrible, 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 horrible. <laughs> I mean, I, we don't even want to talk about that damn testimony. That shit was horrible. When he said that's he shot... When, that's another podcast. When this fool said he shot at the doggone knife, I was like, oh my God. Okay, moving yeah. on. Let's continue. All right, so then we talk about that. Then we look at the subsequent uh, conviction of Jason Van Dyke. Now, in the midst of that is Anita Alvarez, right? Anita Alvarez, the uh, then incumbent state's attorney who was being challenged by Kim Fox, another former state's attorney of, uh, or the former assistant state's attorney of Cook County who spent 12 years, and this is according to her on Chicago Tonight, 12 years on the front yeah. line prosecuting cases as a, as a trial attorney, yeah. and then five years as super, as a supervisor in the juvenile section, you know, the things, things of that nature. And then she left to do some other stuff. She got into, uh, supporting other politicians, Tony Preckwinkle's chief of staff, and then all of a sudden, you know, let, let's make no mistake about it. Kimberly Fox got to her position as the assistant, I mean, as the state's attorney on the back of Laquan McDonald and by the endorsement of the Cook County Board of Commissioners President Tony Preckwinkle. Those are the two things that, that absolutely it got her the job. And because Laquan McDonald was black and Kimberly Fox was black or is black, the blackness of that. Uh, and the controversial nature of the situation, coupled with the fact that, you know, uh, she was supported by the Cook County Democratic Party chair, Tony Preckwinkle. Let's be honest, okay? I'm going to get a little controversial here, but that's what Mike Brown is good for. Let's talk about white Democrats, okay? Let's be honest. And I have friends that are white Democrats in Cook County. Now, some of them are white Democrats because they are Democrats and others are Democratic. Why? Because that's what gets them the job. That's what gets them the government jobs. That's what gets them the contracts. They have to play ball and they have to catch that bag or cash that bag or whatever the hell this damn statement is. So they play the Democratic role to get that. But if you are at the dinner table, if you are at the bar, if you are out with them, the conversation is heavily Republican, but the actions in the public is heavily Democratic. So when the boss says, Tony Preckwinkle, the boss says, this is my candidate, this is who you vote for, this is who we're endorsing, and then you have you have situations where you talk about Kimberly Fox stating, hey, Anita Alvarez took 400 days to prosecute Laquan McDonald. She's bad for this place, she's bad for this. Black folks was voting for Kim Fox because they thought they were getting a defender of civil rights instead of paying attention to the fact that Kimberly Fox is ever more a part of the system of law enforcement, just like the police that black folks hate. And they were not paying attention to that. But that doesn't matter because I don't care what you think of me as long as you like me. And that's what politics is about. I like you because you are speaking my language. I like you because you're black. I like you because you talk well in your Cabrini Green. Cabrini. I said Cabrini Green. You're uh, Kim Fox <laughs> from the Greens. You're speaking my language. And white people are like, look, the boss want her in. Never mind her experience that she don't have much of. The boss want her in. We going to give her the benefit of the doubt. So irregardless to her experience, because if you ask me, Anita Alvarez had way more experience 
Donna Moore had way more experience. Kimberly Fox doesn't have much experience, especially prosecuting murders. I don't think she's ever prosecuted a murder. Never prosecuted a murder. And that's another thing that had like four cases. Yes, four. Absolutely. And so, you know, she she, go ahead. Go ahead. Talk. I'm I, I keep going. Before, I, I'm gonna clear the line because I'm pretty sure you got another caller that want to call in. I, I don't. If I need to say, one is I challenge all of the viewers that listen to this to do their homework and their due diligence on these candidates before we go to the vote votes. It's not just about the president, the vice president, or the mayor. It's about the judges. It's about the prosecutors. It's about the whole list. Do a little bit more homework because if they really looked at it. Now everyone is bringing up Kim Fox's background and what she did and didn't do. But at that moment in time, it didn't even matter. It was, we need to get you out and get someone else in. Absolutely. And as long as we keep on doing that, we're going to continue in this vicious cycle of just putting people there as acting personnel instead of the real person for the best job. Absolutely. I agree. And so that's that's the question that I have is that, you know, you're talking about and I'm going to get to the answer to your question because I'm providing a little bit of background for not only the podcast listeners, but those watching on Facebook. You know, make no mistake, she got to the office on the back of Laquan and on the back. So there is a statement. BS will get you to the top, but it will not keep you there. Case in point, Kim Fox. Now, we're not going to say Laquan McDonald was BS in essence. It was because it should have never happened on both Laquan's part as well as Jason Van Dyke. We cannot say that Van Dyke is the only person who was wrong because Laquan made a choice that night and his choice spawned a police response which went negatively. Nevertheless, she ascended to her office on the back of that. That's what got you the job. So if I were Kim Fox, right? I would sit here and I'd be like, you know what? Okay. They let me in even though I didn't have as much experience as I should have had. Definitely not as much as Anita Alvarez, the former incumbent, has. I now have the opportunity. Let me get out there and not only, you know, pursue my reform efforts, if you will, right? We can do that, okay? But let me prosecute some people. Why? Because my main job is to prosecute. And if Caesar is the people or are the people who let me in to this job, who who entrusted in me the duty to pursue justice, not for me, not for self-pleasure, whatever that may be, a professional pleasure, but for the voters, the people of Cook County for whom I am charged with the duty to represent in the criminal justice system. Let me get some justice for them. Granted, Jesse ain't going to do no jail time, but he's got to admit. And here we go. We're talking about politics, too, now. See, there's a lot of... I think what she, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I think what she did was she, she she tried to take a page out of, when I say there, you know what I'm saying, where I'm going with this, out of their playbook, where I'm the king now, so I'm allowed to make decisions to let my people off. Uh, case of point, the the uh the swimmer that uh raped the girl by the by the garbage can. Okay. And the judge said that he had a he was an expired athlete and he didn't want to ruin his career or ruin his life and he pretty much got off with with a rape charge. So I think where Kim Fox her angle was was now that I have the option or have the authority to make or break someone, 
I'm going to use my authority to let this man off with a slap on the wrist. When, in actuality, I, I see her point, but I don't see her point because how many, if you're not going to do it for all, don't do it for none. And what, what message are you teaching us or what message are you showing us in the black community when we get caught with stealing a piece of candy as opposed to getting caught with stealing a car? You know, have or, you... Go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. And I got a question for you. This is going to be good. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. <laughs> have you ever seen those moms, not just in our community, but in other in other communities where they are just enablers? Like... I'm gonna yeah. get. I'm gonna get real here. You know your kids fucking up, <laughs> but you're just gonna keep on enabling them. And oh, he's he's a you, you find it's like you want to find the constant good when if you don't you know spare the rod. If you spare the rod, you spoil the child. I'm not saying go to town finding a switch like my mom did or extension cords or brooms or bats. Yeah, okay. Hey, I'm not talking about that. It made, but, it made us good men. Absolutely. But my thing is, you got some enablers. And it seems to be not only just that case, the wrong way driver for which the Illinois State Police trooper sacrificed, willfully sacrificed his life to run head on into that car so that that car would not strike other Illinois motorists and lost his life. He had an extremely horrible traffic record and was allowed to post bond. And it's like, you know, Kim Fox was not definitely the prosecutor on that, but what she fails to understand, in my humble opinion, is that the leader of the organization, see, I love John C. Maxwell, leadership guru who, who wrote the book, many books, but one specific book that I love, The 360 Degree Leader, the leader is responsible and creates the culture, the culture for the rest of the, the, the people in the office who decides not necessarily to do what they know should be done, but to do different things and according to how the boss would like things to look. And so that type of culture becomes toxic in essence because you end up letting a person out on the street like this who should not be out on the street, or Darian Albert, the five attackers, four of them are still in jail, but the one who delivered the punch that, in essence, knocked Darian Albert out, who was more younger than the other four, who was given a suspended sentence on an enhanced juvenile justice program, some EJJ, whatever the heck that is, and then mm -hmm. was told that if you commit another felony, we are going to reactivate that sentence and you're going to do 30 years. Well, what did he do? He committed that other felony. And what was supposed to happen? They were supposed to file a petition or something to the, to the effect to revoke that stay and bring about or activate the sentence and the state's attorney's office maybe not kim fox directly but the attorneys in that office because of the culture created by the leader made it possible for them to say you know what justice was served is that justice what well, do you think that by her going through this and being, and it being so much of a high profile case now with kim fox that hopefully just hopefully fingers crossed, toes crossed, legs too, that now they will see that there is a problem 
and it'll be more standardized as to what has to be done as compared to what should be done. But my question is this. I would I would answer that question with another question. You and I both know that there has always been a statement in the black community that whenever we do something, we have to do it 10 times better. We have to wake up 10 hours earlier. And of course, I'm exaggerating on some points, but there are things that we have to do that are better than our white or other racial counterparts. Why? Because all eyes on us. Double marginality. You and I are both former, your current law, you know, you're what, you know, you get what I'm saying. You're law enforcement. I'm former law enforcement. And you and I both know of the double marginality that exists within our communities that we are looked at heavily by black folks. We're looked at heavily by white folks. White folks are like, are you going to do the right thing? Are you afraid to arrest your own? Or are you going to sit there and give them all a break? Cause you're black, they're black. And then we get it from the black folks where all of a sudden you want to lock all of us up. You and uncle Tom, you were part of this, you were part of that. Man, can't so, you give us a break? I'm t- can't you give us a break? So my, my question is this to Madam Kim Fox, who is also a part of law enforcement. Are you not understanding double marginality? Are, are, are you not understanding that you were elected by the people to do the job? You know, do you not understand the job in its entirety? Are you in the mindset of an assistant state's attorney instead of the state's attorney? You know, it, it's. I, and, I, and let me throw another one at you. The black community didn't elect in no way. Boy, oh my God, you just said it. If, if, if you really want to look at it, if you want to go, go to statistics, if you look at the polls, the black community didn't elect it. First of Why? all, because they didn't go out and vote. How many of us go out and vote anyway? Let's talk facts. Here we go. In this hey. in this recent election, this is the lowest voter turnout. Was it 38%? It was 31 31. 31, Now, of that 31% of the entire Chicago population, if you look at that 31%, how much of that 31% were black folks? How many of that 31% were white folks or other races? See, you got a person like Willie Wilson, businessman Willie Wilson, okay? I'm not going to imitate his voice. Some of y'all know I'm good at doing that. But (laughs) y'all better understand I'm not playing around with y'all. Y'all got, look, that's not funny. He's a great guy. He just talks that way. But businessman Willie Wilson, he won all of the black or a great percentage of the black vote. Granted, it was 14, 12 to 14 other candidates, so it was kind of hard for him to make any kind of runoff. But with what he did, he won a great percentage of the black vote. But that, ipso facto, in and of itself, was not enough for him to make the runoff. People talk about Lori Lightfoot, but I'm going to tell you what Lori Lightfoot did to win. Now, I'm going to be honest, right? I didn't expect Lori Lightfoot to win, and that's not what this conversation is going to turn to. It's just a sidebar. I didn't expect Lori Lightfoot to win at all, but I'm going to tell you what she did. She was like the hunter-killer submarine that you did not see coming. She did not go to the black community first. She went to her superpower base, white, LGBT, and the mixed community of the North Side. She did what she had to do to win them over. And that's the one thing people don't understand about the LGBT community. It is a very powerful base of both open and closeted. I'm telling you, both open and closeted mixed race people. That's a large, powerful base. There could be somebody you know that's in the LGBT community who you don't know is in the LGBT community, but they're black or they're white, and they don't discuss their sexuality. They could have voted for Lori, and you would never even know. They could be gay, straight, lesbian, whatever they want to identify with, and you would never even know. She was smart in doing that. And then, after making the runoff, she came back to the black community and was able to overwhelmingly win. 
And so the question that I have for Kim Fox is, given that her election is coming up, will she even last? Will she be able to survive given that she has now made this issue not a question of her competency? And I'm going to read you. I'm going to read this letter from the Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association because it outlines somebody asked me that question. What did she do wrong? We'll talk about it. But is she is this a question of her competency or is this an attack on her because she's black? I argue that it's a question of competency because if it was the case that she was black, first of all, you want to talk about the better case for why not to put somebody in office? The fact that she had very little experience, the fact that she had no experience prosecuting murders. How are you going to get justice for us black folk who are suffering from not only uh, uh, murders in our community, but allegedly a large number of police murders, and I don't get what this large number is. You got more of us killing us than the police, but they both still need to be addressed. So let's talk about it, right? If you have not prosecuted a criminal committing a murderer, a murder, how are you going to prosecute a police officer committing a murder, which I can tell you is a way more complex investigation than, than just that of prosecuting someone who is not an officer of the public committing a murder? What do we get out of it? What's your thoughts? Well, you said I said a lot, huh? I don't, <laughs> I, I don't, I don't, I don't know what she's gonna do. I don't know how she's gonna do it, she but I believe that the next person that goes into office Man. behind her will be a repeat, as it'll it, it be by default because they're trying to get her out of office. Yeah, I think that they should. I, I, I really think that they should have someone. Go through the whole. I mean, go through their entire background. It, it, it's going to take a lot to change, as you know. Uh, politics in Chicago and in a, a lot of other places is screwed up. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, we 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 when we're not happy with something, it's easy for us to discard and just put something there just for the now moment. Yeah. And that something that we put there end up not being the right something, and then we put something else there for the now moment, and we just keep on putting something. There. It's kind of like going through different women until we finally find our right one. But you done had kids with all of them. Oh my it's god! Too late now. Now you got yeah, 18 kids 18 running around kids. by 19 different women is like, oh, well, I found the right woman now. Well, who wants you with 19 kids? If you had, you know? if so, you, if you had 18 kids by 19 women, you do something else. Hey, you a bad could've, man. Could've been, I, <laughs> <laughs> but, but, but you, you see where I'm going with this? I like, I, it, it, it has to stop somewhere. Yeah, it does. And unfortunately, I think she's going to be that sacrificial leg. I think they're going to sacrifice her for that stop. Because now it's going to be looked at a little bit more under the microscope after the next person that's put into office. It should be yeah. the next person that's put into that position to make sure that they're going to satisfy the people mm -hmm. and satisfy law enforcement. Mm -hmm. Because that's, as you know, it's kind of bad to have a have an FOP against you. Man, I have Not never seen the FOP against the state's attorney's office. I have never seen. A, a, a collection of chiefs of police against the doggone state's attorney. And it's just like, are they wrong? Are, are they, are they wrong? Well, you guys didn't say anything about Laquan McDonald. And you know what? You, you got a lot of what about isms that tend to plague a lot of these arguments. Well, what about this? You didn't do anything. What about that? You didn't do anything. Wait a minute. It's not about that so much as it is, even though those arguments are valid. There was no outrage for this and there was no outrage for that. But I'm going to go on ahead and uh, thank you for calling. I'm going to go ahead and take another call. 
Uh, we'll talk again. Right. We always do. We'll talk again. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go on ahead and read the Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association statement on Jussie Smullett. And if you all want to call and talk, uh, 773-571-5602. 773-571-5602. The number has been pinned to the bottom of the uh, bottom of the screen. 773-56. Strike that. 773-571-5602. 773-571-5602. Give us a call. We're talking about Kim Fox. Can she be saved? What if anything can be saved? What are your thoughts about this case? Even if you live within Cook County, you know, especially given our our situation regarding the murders uh, in our community, can she she get justice for us in the community you know is there can, can we save her can she be saved what if anything could she do to try to maintain her job is it too late i'm gonna read the illinois prosecutors bar association statement on jesse smollett case and the dismissal the illinois prosecutors bar association serves as the voice of nearly 1,000 frontline prosecutors across the state who work tirelessly toward the pursuit of justice the events in the past few days regarding the cook county state's attorney's handling of the justice smollett case is not condoned by the ipba nor is it representative of the honest ethical work that prosecutors provide this to the citizens of the state of illinois on a daily basis the manner in which this case was dismissed was abnormal and unfamiliar to those who practice law in criminal courthouses across the state prosecutors defense attorneys and judges alike do not recognize the arrangement mr smollett received even more problematic the state's attorney and her representatives have fundamentally misled the public on the law and circumstances surrounding the dismissal the public has the right to know the truth and we set out to do that here when an elected state's attorney recuses herself from a prosecution, Illinois law provides that the court shall appoint a special prosecutor. See Chapter 55, Illinois Compiled Statutes, Act 5, Section 3-9008, Section A-15. Typically, the special prosecutor is a neighboring state's attorney, the attorney general, or the state appellate prosecutor. Sidebar. Uh, those of you all who have paid attention, same thing happened in the Laquan McDonald case. When Anita Alvarez uh, recused herself after charging Van Dyke, then you had the state's attorney from, I believe, Kane County that came in uh, to prosecute the Laquan McDonald case in Cook County. That would be an example of that. And if you notice, nobody in the Cook County state's attorney's office, not even Kim Fox herself, after having won the seat from Anita Alvarez, not even she publicly opined about the Laquan McDonald Jason Van Dyke trial she didn't opine about that she didn't opine about the conviction she didn't opine about the subsequent sentencing and her beliefs or disbeliefs that it was fair or unfair she said absolutely nothing so in my opinion she knows exactly what a recusal is she should have followed the lead of her predecessor who did the recusal the right way whether she charged it right or not whether she did within 400 days or not, there's a lesson to be learned. And that lesson was not learned by Kim Fox. Okay, here we go. Uh, additionally, the Cook County State's Attorney's Office falsely informed the public that the uncontested sealing of the criminal court case was, quote, mandatory end quote under illinois law that statement is not accurate to the extent that the case was even eligible for an immediate seal that action was discretionary not mandatory and only upon the proper filing of a petition to seal see chapter 20 illinois compound statutes act 2630 section 5.2 g2 for seals not subject to section 5.2 g2 the process employed in this case by the state's attorney effectively denied law enforcement agencies of the legally required notice under section 5.2 
D4 and the legal opportunity to object to the sealing of the file under Section 5.2 D5. The state's attorney not only declined to fight the sealing of this case in court, but then provided false information to the public regarding it. The appearance of impropriety here is compounded by the fact that this case was not even originally, I said even, not even on the regularly scheduled court call. The public had no reasonable notice or opportunity to view these proceedings and the dismissal was done abruptly at what has been called a, quote, emergency, end quote, hearing. To date, the nature of the purported emergency has not been publicly disclosed. The sealing of a court case immediately following a hearing where there was no reasonable notice or opportunity for the public to attend is a matter of grave public concern and undermines the very foundation of our public court system. Lastly, the state's attorney has claimed that this arrangement is, quote, available to all defendants, end quote, and, quote, not a new or unusual practice. End quote. How many of you all, sidebar, how many of you all have people that you know have went through the criminal justice system and would have loved to got to have gotten the Smullett deal? Come on now. Would have loved to have gotten the Smullett deal. Never got it. Never got it. I don't know if it's even something that's a usual practice or not a new practice. I've never seen it done. I'm sorry. There has been a there has even been an implication that it was done in accordance with the statute diversionary program. Here we go. These statements are plainly misleading and inaccurate. This action was highly unusual and not a statutory diversionary program and not in accordance with well accepted practices of state's attorney di initiated diversionary programs. And there is a highlighted link that goes to the National District Attorneys Association press release on prosecutorial best practices in high-profile cases. The Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association supports diversionary programs and recognizes the many benefits they provide to the community, the defendant, and to the prosecuting agency. Central, I want you to listen to this. This is what the people are mad about. Central to any diversion program, however, is that the defendant must Accept responsibility. Couldn't have said it better. To be clear here, this simply was not a deferred prosecution. Prosecutors must be held to the highest standard of legal ethics in the pursuit of justice. The actions of the Cook County State's Attorney have fallen woefully short of this expectation. Through repeated and misleading and deceptive statements to the public on Illinois law and circumstances surrounding the Smollett dismissal, the state's attorney has failed in her most fundamental ethical obligations to the public. The Illinois Prosecutors Bar Association condemns these actions. This irregular arrangement was an affront to the prosecutors across this state, the Chicago Police Department, victims of hate crimes, and the people of the city of Chicago and Cook County. We strongly encourage our members and the public to review the National District Attorneys Association on prosecutorial best practices in high-profile cases, okay? Now, that's a lot. That's a lot. And the question that I have is, she has gone to the links of talking about other people, including the Fraternal Order of Police, and why are they attacking her? But she has said nothing, absolutely nothing, with regard to this, this document. What say you, counselor? What say you? They are quoting statute, 
right? They're quoting statue. They're saying that you should have done this, 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 and that. What say you? You know, and that's the question that I have, you know, and we want to talk about black elders and black this, black that. You're a black elder of mine. I want to be a lawyer. Should I follow in your footsteps? Should I do that? Somebody give, somebody give me a call. 773-571-5602. <clears throat> you don't have to agree with me. Debate me. Debate me. 773-571-5602. Debate me. You got a lot of people who are naysayers that have a lot to say negatively, but it's silent right now. It's silent. Debate me. I'm waiting. And live on my podcast. You get to kick my ass on my own podcast. And on my Facebook Live. Debate me. Uh, National District Attorneys Association, and we're going to end with this. Okay, I know I said I was going to talk about a lot. I got other topics that we're going to put into another live. Okay, the National District Attorneys Association statement on prosecutorial best practices in high-profile cases, as the voice of America's prosecutors. Uh, the National District Attorneys Association serves as a national resource on training and technical assistance to aid the roughly 2,700 prosecutor offices around the country in protecting the communities they serve, seeking justice for victims of crimes and protecting the innocent. As an organization that developed and maintains a set of national prosecution standards and strives to promote best practices for prosecutors around the country, we encourage scrutiny of prosecutors to enhance fairness and equality in the criminal justice system while building confidence in our citizenry and support supporting the tireless work performed by prosecutors and law enforcement on the front lines of evil every day. The handling of cases by prosecutors nationwide has garnered national media attention and the greater role and a greater role on the focus on the role of prosecutor in the criminal justice system. In each instance, the local prosecutors involved in the case must weigh all the facts and determine the best pathway forward to ensure that justice is served. Prosecutors don't always get it right. Nor does the public necessarily get to see all the information available to prosecutors, particularly during an ongoing investigation. In these types of circumstances, it is easy for emotions to run high and finger pointing to ensue. But it is important not to allow investigations and charging decisions to be swayed by public sentiment and to follow best practices and guidelines where, in wherever the situation may arise. The recent incident in Chicago involving actor Jesse Smollett is no different and has garnered national attention as is the case has made way um sorry let me read that correct uh the recent incident in Chicago involving actor Jesse Smollett is no different and has garnered national attention as the case has made its way through various phases of the investigation and prosecution process while details of the case remain sealed several observations must be made in order to increase not diminish the public's confidence in the criminal justice system. First, when a chief prosecutor recuses him or herself, the recusal must apply to the entire office, not just the elected or appointed prosecutor. This is consistent with best practices for prosecutors' offices around the country. Second, prosecutors should not take advice from politically connected friends of the accused. Each case should be approached with the goal of justice for victims while protecting the rights of the defendant. Third, 
when a prosecutor seeks to resolve a case through diversion or some other alternative prosecution, it should be done so with an acknowledgement of culpability on the part of the defendant. A case with the consequential effects of Mr. Smullins should not be resolved without a finding of guilt or innocence. Fourth, Expunging Mr. Smollett's record at this immediate stage is counter to transparency. Law enforcement will now not be able to acknowledge that Mr. Smollett was indicted and charged with these horrible crimes and the full record of what occurred will be forever hidden from public view. Finally, we believe strongly that hate crimes should be prosecuted vigorously, but the burden of proof should not be artificially increased due to the misguided decision of others. The National District Attorneys Association believes strongly in seeking alternatives to incarceration. And in fact, prosecutors around the country offer these alternatives to thousands of defendants every single day. However, as stated above, these alternatives such as drug treatment, mental health treatment, counseling, and community service come with an acknowledgement of responsibility from the defendant. These alternatives also offer the ability for the defendant to preserve their criminal record again in exchange for admission of responsibility. However, the case in Chicago illustrates a point that must be discussed in an effort to ensure fairness in our criminal justice system. The rich are treated differently. The political clique connected received favorable treatment and Lady Justice sometimes peeks under her blindfold to see who stands before her. The National District Attorneys Association rejects these inequalities or inequities as they are antithetical. Hope I said that right. To our founding principles of justice that no one is above the law. You know, I'm going to end with this. Um, and I've been on here for an hour, so I understand why the viewership is rather low. But that having been said, um, you had your opportunity to call in, you know, um, what if anything can we do to save Kim? Is there a way that Kim can be saved? You know what I like to see? I like to see her actually say, hey, look, I don't really know what I'm doing, I, I, but I don't think that's going to ever going to happen. That's probably, I don't know. <sighs> I don't know. Is there a way she can be saved? I don't know. We'll just have to see. Okay. All right. Thank you for listening to On the Mic with Mike. Thank you for watching me on Facebook Live. Hey, what's going on, Asia? Uh, thank you for watching me on Facebook Live. I, I, that's a question. Steven, should she be saved? I don't know. Okay. I don't know. It was just an open ended question uh, for people to call in and, and comment. You know, 773 uh, Uh Well, we're going to end it right now because uh, I've been on pretty long. And uh, just comment, those of you all who are going to watch this video, if you're going to watch it later, just comment in the comment section and let's talk about that. If it's even a, a topic of discussion that we should even continue, because I don't think it's going to get better. I think it's just going to get worse. I don't know. Hmm. All right. Well, thank you for listening to On the Mic with Mike. Again, you all have a safe day and I will see you again on the next podcast.